Today on Government Matters, innovation in the Air Force and across the military. The new Deputy Chief Information Officer of the Force tells you what's coming. The Pentagon's cyber plan for contractors is about to take off. What you can expect when the auditor comes knocking on your company's door. And extra credit for the cyber work you've already done. The Defense Department's Katie Arrington on how reciprocity will work and when you might see it. Government Matters starts right now. From Washington, D.C. and around the world, this is Government Matters with Francis Rose. Thanks for watching the weekend edition of Government Matters, the only show covering the latest news, trends, and topics that matter to the business of government. I'm your host, Francis Rose. The Air Force is testing a new airplane virtually. The Force's head of acquisition, Will Roper, said this week it's designing, assembling, and testing a new fighter jet in the digital world. It's one example of how the force and the military broadly is trying to walk the innovation walk. Lauren Nausenberger is the new Deputy Chief Information Officer at the Air Force. Lauren, welcome. Congratulations on your promotion. What's the connective tissue that's connecting efforts like Will Roper talked about this week, like AFWorks, uh, like the Spark Tank that you have been involved with and others? How's the Air Force trying to connect all of those together, Lauren? So we, uh, you know, we have been an innovative force really since our beginnings um, and digital engineering has so much opportunity for us to get after right now. And, and you heard what Dr. Roper said about it. It was very inspiring. Um, and really what we're looking at is uh, we've talked before about how we innovate in pockets in the Air Force and the DOD writ large because it's such a large organization. And we're really trying to focus on how we get synergy. Our chief has told us that we must accelerate change or lose. We know this, you know, you could use the terms adapt or die, um, and we are embracing it. So you've heard me talk about things higher up the stack, um, about our software factories, what we're doing with AI, and even about the cloud. And what we're trying to do now is actually focus more on the collaboration tools side, making sure that people have communities of practice where they can share all of the things that they're working on in real time, and also making sure that they have that digital foundation uh, on which to build with the tools and the processes that they need to be innovative in a repeated way, getting to a point of consistent agility and consistent advantage. Because if you just innovate the top of the stack over and over again, you know you never get to that agility that comes from that digital foundation, that solid network, et cetera. What does that look like in a joint environment too, Lauren? I imagine your peers in the other branches are interested in the same things that you're interested in. Is there a connective tissue there too? There absolutely is. And you know, I have never seen such incredible collaboration across all of the services and with the DOD, with NSA, with Cybercom, with DISA. We are talking multiple times a week. Um, in the early days of COVID, we were talking multiple times a day. Uh, because keeping people connected during COVID and making sure that the mission could go on, you know, these were very critical things and it really does take all of those people. So um, we are completely moving together, wingtip to wingtip to build this foundation and to make sure that we're able to communicate across the services and also with our allied partners. And we're doing it with greater focus than we ever had. How does that communication work? Is it uh, still mostly in the virtual world? Are people starting to come back to the building? What does that look like, Lauren? So it, it's really a mix. Um, 
you have the mix of kind of the restaurant protocol uh, where there, there are fewer people around the Pentagon, but uh, most of the seniors are still here. And, you know, you wear your mask until you get to your table. And if there's six feet of different distance, then, you know, we'll take off the mask. A lot of the broader uh, DOD uh, meetings we do via telecon. Um, and some of those, of course, have to be uh, classified telecoms. Um, but we are we are moving it forward, um, and we have more uh, really well working digital and telework capabilities than we've ever had because we must. And the military has always been great at responding in a crisis. We have not wasted it. You mentioned uh, uh, the new uh, chairman's, uh, or the, excuse me, the new chief's comments earlier this week, uh, General Brown. Uh, he was pretty stark in in the way that he laid this out. He's pretty clear about what his vision is and and the gravity of the vision. Does that impact the way that you and your colleagues go about doing your jobs? It absolutely does. And and for me, you know, I have to support that vision. That vision is that we have to get to a point where we have consistent agility, where we are accelerating the pace of change, where we can spend more of our time designing new aircraft and new capabilities rather than maintaining the old fleet. Um, and for me, in order to help build that world where we have joint all-domain command and control seamlessly using AI to drive machine-driven insights, all leveraging cloud architectures and best-in-class tools with our partners, that means that over the next, uh, well, during my time in this seat, I'm going to have to build that rock-solid digital foundation on which everything lies. Um, and I think in DOD, sometimes we think we have a foundation because we've built some cinder blocks here and some cinder blocks there, and maybe you know whatever the airmen had under the you know under the couch over here. But it's not a seamless digital foundation. So that's that's step one. Um, two, enabling our digital talent, and that is making sure that people have all of those job skills that they need and into the future at the speed that they even think that they need to learn something. And Digital U is jumping jumping after that and also making sure that they have the tools that they need to do their job. And that could be commercial tools and that could be mission tools. And then finally, you know, the, our budget situation is not gonna get better. Um, you know, it, it's already pretty tight. Um, our spending on digital infrastructure is, it pales in comparison to what the, our commercial partners spend, um, and we can see it. And so probably the most important thing that I do as a CIO over the next year is get greater transparency on that spend, um, start really killing the legacy stuff that's in our way, and making really, really smart, sustainable investments. And one of the things we're doing toward that end is launching Operation Flamethrower because we want it to be very, very clear and colorful that we are aggressively and ruthlessly seeking out manual process and legacy technology that is in our way. Lauren, less than 30 seconds left. In the time in your seat, when, you, when that time is finished, how will you judge whether you accomplished what you wanted to accomplish? You know, that's a great question. Um, I know that I'm probably only gonna be able to accomplish 10 to 20% of what I really want to do. Um, but if, if I can do that, and if I, if I can get a couple of operational commanders to say, I have what I need to win, or at least I have seen the progress, and if I have airmen saying, I have the tools to do my job and we are headed in the right direction, you know, I'd love to solve all the problems, but at the very least, I want people to see that we are headed in the right direction and that we are starting to build that digital foundation. Lauren Nausenberger, thanks very much for joining me today as always.
Thanks, Francis. Always great to see you. Up next, training auditors for the cybersecurity maturity model certification. Straight ahead on Government Matters, the architect of the certification tells you about the next steps that are coming. You're watching ABC7. first group of auditors for cybersecurity maturity model certification should finish training by the end of the month. About 300,000 companies that make up the defense industrial base will have to comply with CMMC eventually. Katie Arrington's the Chief Information Security Officer for Acquisition at the Department of Defense. Katie, welcome back. Thanks for coming on the program. What will these auditors do once they've graduated from this program and go out into the field? How soon will you be able to get them out there? So we want to get them out as soon as possible. Um, when we came out with the original schedule um, in 2019, uh, we had them graduating in July. Um, we had a little bit of a, a pause or a, a reprogramming when we had to get it all in a virtual environment. So we're tracking to have them out at the end of the month. We had the first uh, class uh, go through the 25 provisional. We're working through getting their, their actual licenses so they can go out and start doing audits. How big will the second cohort be? When will the second cohort start? Because with the volume that you have, I'm sure 25 isn't enough. No, it, it was really a, a provisional class. We wanted to make sure that um, the, the curriculum, uh, the, the, the assessment guides, uh, the actual test at the end, like we had to get some uh, people through it to see where we needed to tweak it and fix it. So the next uh, cohorts, I believe, are, are 50. I, I will double check with the AB. Um, and they will be uh, bringing that on uh, every few weeks. We'll start a new session. What does the, the overall kind of refresh look like? First 25 go out, how long will they be on site? How soon will they be able to start another one? And at, at what point do you expect to say, okay, we've got as many auditors as we need right now? It'll be a few years. I mean, this is a this is going to become an enduring capability. So, like anything, um, it takes time to build up capability. So, it'll take us a few years to get as many certifiers, um, certified auditors in the environment. But you know, this as I've said from the very beginning, this is a five-year process. So, we we have the number of auditors that we're graduating. Um, equal to the number of contractors that needed certification. So we know we, we have scalability, but we also understand that when you had uh, a baseline of training, a baseline of understanding the, the adjudication baselines for that, uh, test and curriculum that validated that, that we could go out and start training on the masses. How many of these auditors do you think you'll need eventually? It depends. Um, I, I am in the mind that, you know, we have 300,000 companies that need to uh, start with uh, the start, right? And then you look at where the CMMC has the potential to go throughout the whole of federal government. That is a huge lift. So, you know, thousands in the end game, but, you know, I, I can't... Uh, I can't foresee that far in the future. I would say for the DOD component piece, we easily need a few thousand of the auditors. You mentioned tweaks and fixes, and I wonder what you've learned from this first group of 25 that you will go back when the 50 come through or when you scale this further, uh, what you will do differently the second, third, fourth time through for these auditors. Lessons learned. Uh, you know, we learned a tremendous amount through, through the DCMA DIBCAC audits. Um, they were essential in 
helping us, uh, you know, create the the, the ground uh, that, that with the foundation that we're built on. Um, learning every day uh, things that could be improved and things that are really working. Um, I would say the standardization of the curriculum is phenomenal. Um, that the assessment guides phenomenal. Um, how you actually evaluate at the end of the course, um, we learned a few different things. Um, you know, automated testing, how do you how do you make it so that the answers are really understood uh, by the, the auditor coming through the exam? So, you know, there's there's a lot of goodness to be had. How will you measure on the back end when you have these 25 or the 50 that will be in the next group or whatever? How would you go and look at what they did in the field to make sure that you're testing to what they actually have to do when they're out in the field? Well, as we've stated from the beginning, um, we need collaboration from industry. So what we're going to be doing, uh, DCMA uh, will always maintain the right to go and audit the auditors, right? The C3PAOs. So we're going to start that right away to come back and have them look um, and make sure that, you know, what the auditor has seen and validated um, is consistent with what we think that just for 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 continuity's sake as we roll this out it's always been about collaboration that we can solve this problem together um, and that we'll get good together what else should a company know when the company knows somebody's coming to audit them now that they that these uh that these groups are complete you have 25 people that are going out there what can a company expect to see when this person shows up well, initially, they should get a, a, a pre-question interview, right, the, the pre-audit interview questions, um, which will be mapping, you know, your capability to what you think. Um, have your, if you don't have a, a cybersecurity, um, I would say network engineers, um, the IT side of the house, um, have those people ready and available to have conversations. Um, and in smaller businesses, we understand they don't have that. That may be the CEO, that may be, um, you know, the, the HR manager, but to have those people available um, to have conversation. Uh, and be transparent with them. I mean, that's their job. They're coming in as a trusted agent of the government um, to go in and, and provide the audit. So comfortable with them. They are not there to uh, put you out of business. Our whole goal is to make sure that you're secure as possible uh, so that you're an enduring capability that we can rely upon. Katie, one of the issues that companies have talked about is reciprocity, and that's where I want to pick up when we come back. My conversation with Katie Arrington continues in just a moment. Welcome back. Reciprocity guidelines for cybersecurity maturity model certification are still in the works. Companies will get some credit for progress they've made in programs like the Federal Risk and Authorization Management Program. I'm back with Katie Arrington, the Chief Information Security Officer for Acquisition at DOD. What do we know about reciprocity for companies that have been through the FedRAMP process, Katie, who are basically saying, we're already doing a lot of the things we know you're going to make us do? So when we did the Pathfinders, we've had a couple of companies that were using um, CSPs to supplement their capability to um, get to what they the, the maturity level they desired. Um, so we have been in, in discussion of how we can match that to capability. So the Pathfinders have been a huge uh, piece of finding that piece to the puzzle. Um, I think we're pretty close um, with the um, the FedRAMP moderate and FedRAMP high, how they align to the, the model and the um, legal function of reciprocity lies with the AB 
to the C3PAOs. So they're working that out now as we have the first batch of, you know, uh, auditors that have gone through the training, that legal agreement, because it's it's all a, an assumption of risk, um, is being worked out right now. But reciprocity is absolutely the, the first word of the day, FedRAMP reciprocity, um, DIBCAC reciprocity, ISO 27001 reciprocity. We are all in. We don't want to duplicate good work. And so to that point, do you see a day when somebody, when an auditor shows up, sees those certifications and say, can say, okay, you're good, or the auditor doesn't even have to come because that company can submit those certifications to the department and that works just fine. No, the auditor will always have to uh, make a, a, an official visit to the company. Um, part of the value add of CMMC that it buys down more than getting, um, ensuring that companies have the critical thinking uh, around cybersecurity um, and the capability to the to the work that they're equal to. It buys down substantially the risk of foreign ownership in our supply chain and shell companies. We, you know, that that if somebody has a shell company, they're going to have to go through an awful lot of work to prove that they're actually in existence um, for the auditor to show up. So it has a multi-purpose to it. Uh, remember that, that it wasn't just about cyber. This is about getting security um, and, and cybersecurity as, as critical thinking through a company. All of this becomes codified when it's in the DFARS officially. What's the, what's the update on that? So uh, the o OIRA has finished the interagency communications. Um, it is uh, uh, through the process, so it will be posted um, on the Federal Register very soon. Um, I, I, it's a matter of just getting through the process. Um, then it will open up the public comment period. And then at the end of the public comment period, um, the, the rule will, will go into effect. Um, people have asked, you know, oh, we haven't seen the rule. The rule is very clearly that the work in over the course of five years, the CMMC needs to be implemented in all DOD contracts. So it's it's fairly cut and dry, um, but you know it's it's going out there now. Uh, you know in the coming days. So it, I think it's already posted on the OIRA site. Some concern about whether it's an interim rule or a proposed rule. Does that matter in your view? Should that matter to the companies that have to deal with this? Well, it's so I, I I hear and appreciate what they're saying, but it's also much like the 889 um, that you know went and was an interim rule and then went into effect 60 days later. Uh, we've been saying very clearly what the model will look like, um, what the requirements will be, how it'll be rolled out onto contracts, um, the timeline, reciprocity with DIBCAC. We've been very clear. Um, on the entirety of it. Um, so I, I guess I, I, I don't understand the discussion of if that matters. You've known for uh, since at least January um, what it is. And the public comment period will be the public comment period. Um, that hasn't changed. And we have to adjudicate the comments from the public. So it's, it's you know, proposed versus interim. When it comes to national security and, and where we are, the faster, the better that we get this out there. Um, and, you know, the, the public has been engaged. I mean, business has been engaged. So um, I look forward to the, the adjudication process. Um, as soon as it goes for public comment, I'm sure we'll be getting a great deal of those. Uh, some headlines in the uh, last couple of weeks about some changes on the CMMC board. 
a couple of uh, new board members joining, the mm -hmm. former chairman Ty Scheiber leaving, and some questions around that. What, uh, what did you see as this uh, transition happened, Katie? So what I would say to everyone, uh, media, uh, journalists, uh, and the public, uh, we owe a debt of gratitude I mean, a literal debt of gratitude to everyone, past, current, and, and future on the board. These are people who have been volunteering easily 60 hours a week since November of last year. Volunteering. They have day jobs. They have, they have other things, uh, family, work requirements. So I appreciate people wanna make, you know, fake news, right? And, and I'm gonna say that. Um, the, the mission and those people should be thanked. Um, the people that recently uh, left the board, um, they resigned and they're good people. They did something, think about that. These are people that stood up and said, we care so much about the mission that we're gonna volunteer to help set up a nonprofit and get this functioning. And I, I find it disheartening and sad that anybody who would volunteer people would want to rip apart regardless of why they, they, they have left. And there have been multiple reasons people have left the board. But I, I find it um, disheartening uh, that volunteerism and, and working towards the mission, uh, that people would take it and try and, and do something negative. That's absolutely not what this was about at all. Um, the DOD supports the, the CMMC AB, all members, past, present, and future. Katie Arrington, thanks very much for joining me. Take care. Don't forget, if you miss an episode of Government Matters, you can find it on our website, govmatters.tv, and you get a preview of every newscast by signing up for our daily program guide. You just text GOVMATTERS to the number 22828. I'm back in two minutes. That's the latest from Washington. Join me weeknights at 8 and 11 on WJLA 24-7 News. And next Sunday morning at 10.30 on ABC7 to stay plugged in on issues that matter to the business of government. Thanks for watching. I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening. Our daily program is produced by Sharice Hanner and Ashley Gallagher. Christy Marriott leads our technical crew. Our web editor is Beatrix Haddon. Government Matters was created by George Jackson. Visit govmatters.tv for articles, videos, and more, including our first feature-length documentary, The Dawn of Generation AI. Government Matters is recorded at WJLA-TV in Washington, D.C. Copyright Sinclair Broadcast Group.